0: Welcome to the Insight Podcast. My guest today is Natalie Costa. Natalie is a coach for both children and parents who wants to help you and your family navigate big feelings, embrace mistakes and grow in confidence. I ask Natalie, what are the most common challenges parents and carers face? How does she support children and adults with limiting beliefs? How can we be there for children when they're having a meltdown? What role does discipline and boundaries play in parenting? What phrases has she found to be useful for managing difficult situations and much more? Enjoy the episode. So, Natalie, right? Let's let's solve parenting in under an hour. It'll be easy, won't it?
1: <laughs> Super easy. Let's go. Step one, <laughs> step two, step three. <laughs>
0: exactly. No, I mean a good starting point might be, I mean I don't know if it's a bit of, not the elephant in the room, but something that I wanted to start the conversation off by saying is in that, you know, I'm 35. I don't have any children yet, but I would love to have children. Um, I've been told lots of times that I'm going to be a great dad, which is always nice to hear. And I think I I owe that in large parts of the fact that I've got 12 um, amazing nieces and nephews. I became an uncle at 10 years old. So I've always been around children, um, but I'm fully aware that, all of that training <laughs> will, will not have prepared me for the realities of being a parent. So mm-hmm. I think that's a, a nice place to start. You know, I want to go from that and, and ask you, well, what are the most common challenges that the parents that you work with face?
1: <laughs> Good question. Good question. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. You know, nothing prepares us for um, being a parent um I think the ideals that we get from society and from social media and from Instagram and the movies, I think you know it's a very different different picture. Um, and I think one of the things to be mindful of is is that you are always going to be a learner with your child. No matter how many children you've had with this particular child, it's a new opportunity. And I think embracing that, learning mindset and growth opportunity is really like as a growth, like as a learning opportunity to say is really important because what I see the challenges is all these expectations that parents then place upon themselves about who they're going to be as a parent, how they should be, um, you know, feel they should be, and also how they feel their child should be with the best of, you know, coming from a loving place, the best of intentions. And I think it's, it's you know we've it's all these like ideals that we have but it is sometimes a very different picture when we're in the real thing and and also understand yeah just being open and understanding that you're not going to get it right all the time either um because we have to also appreciate that how we were parented and our experiences of being parents being parented is maybe very different to what we are trying to do today and how the world is today. And equally, you know, if you've got two children, how you are with one child at that phase of your life is going to be very different with how you are with the next child at a different phase of your life. And so I think just being really conscious of the expectations you place upon yourself and knowing that, you're actually never going to be prepared. It's more seeing everything as an opportunity to learn and to grow with your child. Um, And as well, what what I definitely notice coming up more in the work that I'm doing, a lot of this is about being able to have the capacity to tolerate uncomfortable emotions. Mm. And I think that that's sometimes what we can forget is that a lot of parenting involves Dealing and, and just sitting with uncomfortable emotions, whether that is the big feelings of your child, whether that is your uncomfortable emotions because you're not going to jump in and fix and problem solve or we can't control the situation. It's actually like, okay. how do I build up my skills in terms of being able to, to deal with those difficult challenges rather than trying to suppress or to fix them?
0: Right. Really interesting points. And yeah about it being very individual for both you and the fact that the child's an individual, of course. We can't just, mm. you know, put a blanket to brush across all of them that every child will behave the same at this age and this age and this age. Of course, it's very different. Um, and then a couple of things that you said just made me think of some of the kind of unsolicited advice, I guess, you can get from friends and family, can't you? Or you should be doing it like this, should be doing it like that. Maybe things that you see on social media as well. Parents that look like they've got it all completely together. And we know that that's true in so many other aspects of life, isn't it, as well? That, oh yeah, we we, we post these amazing pictures and we look like we've we've got it all sorted and nothing's stressful. No, There's no problems at all. But of course, the realities behind that is, well, it's far from reality, isn't it? <laughs>
1: Yeah, definitely. And I always say, you know, you can't, and we, we, we've, we, I'm sure, you know, you've heard the similar ones, but you cannot compare what's happening in your life with just what one little aspect or what we think we assume we know from somebody else. And like, we never, never know the full picture behind somebody's story. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just really important to remember that. And I think as well, just, I mean, I've worked with thousands of parents. I think just as like, um, just a a token of, I don't know what the word, I can't can't think of the word right now, but just know that you're not alone in the experiences that you're feeling. And if you are struggling with this, guaranteed that means any, you know, loads of other people are struggling with this as well, even though it might feel like you're alone and the only one feeling this. um, I think that's an important thing to remember is is that you're not alone in this. And I think as well with, with parenting, they always say it takes a village to raise a child. And I think it really is so important to find, your village, and that it's okay to ask for help and support as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Ab- absolutely. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, friends, family, keep them close around you because uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they can yeah. help. Definitely. So you say that you've worked with, with thousands of parents, haven't you? And I've, I've, you know we've we connected a while back and i 've seen some of the work that you do and how you help people on social media as well um, So where did this passion come from to to help parents and to help children as well
1: yeah I think um in a very roundabout way i um I was a primary school teacher for a long time um, I also trained uh my psychology so I trained in South Africa where i 'm from, so I did my teaching degree and then I did my psychology. A degree in the evenings and stay to do my honours and the, the intention was always to come to the UK and teach for a couple of years and then go back and do my master's in educational psychology but that didn't happen I ended up staying in the UK and um, I wanted to leave teaching I knew that teaching wasn't my thing but I didn't know what my thing was um, and so I dappled a bit in the fitness industry and then the school that I was with said, oh, we've got this coaching course that we think you might like to go on. We think it's PE coaching. You like your fitness. So do you want to go ahead and do this? And when I got the brief, I was like, this isn't PE, this is life coaching. And I mean, I still cringe at the life coach, but I loved what it was about in terms of, you know, helping people move forward and all of that like mindset sort of work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I went along and I did that and I really enjoyed it. Um, And that really then led me on the journey of the whole coaching industry. And I trained to become a performance coach, but all this while I was still teaching full time. And um, I remember at school, there were a few teachers that said, but you should bring this coaching into children. But at that point, I was so fed up with the education system. I was like, I just want to leave education. I'm exhausted. I'm fed up with this. And um, it purely happened by chance because I was working with a group of year sixes one afternoon. I was covering a class and they were stressed out about going to secondary school. One of them had an interview at a, at a private school and he still said to me, I'm boring. I've got nothing interesting to say. And I just get really like, I can't think. And I just come off as stressed coaching day. So I was like, well, I'm going to drop the maths lesson and I'm now going to teach them about what happens in your brain when you get stressed. And um, it really was an off-the-cuff lesson, but the interest and engagement, I've never seen anything like that. And so the next time I was there I put together something else around limiting beliefs. So I mean it was very loosely structured, but it was all around the, you know, not believing all the thoughts that you think. Um, and that also generated a lot of interest because I had a parent email me and say, Whatever you've done, you know, Harvey's coming home, talking about all of these things. Um, and so then that started to make me think, well, let me put this together as an after school club. Because I was I was interested in mindfulness as well, but I wanted to take it to a different Level like a little bit deeper, and um, it then just dawned on me. I'm like, why are we not teaching children these skills that I so wish I had learned as a child? Because I struggled a lot with anxiety as a child and believing all those self doubts and negative thoughts and feeling really anxious and getting overwhelmed with my feelings. And so that really led me onto this journey of like, well, let me put some lessons together, but taking these coaching modalities and making it really simple for children to learn. And so. So that really was where Power Thoughts was born. Um, So initially, the focus was a lot on teaching children. But over the years, it's definitely evolved because because who really need, I mean, children need this, but for it to stick, we need to teach parents. Um, And using myself as an example, we just weren't raised or modeled or taught these behaviors and these skills when we were growing up. And, you know, a key question I often asked parents is, you know, who taught you to regulate your emotions? What messages did you receive about anger or about anxiety as a child? And in those moments when you had your big feelings, what is it that you most wanted from the adults around you? And it always comes back to, I wanted somebody to listen. I wanted to feel seen and acknowledged and understood. And so I think the work very much now is about, yes, it's teaching children these techniques. But it's really important that parents are educated on this too so that they can apply those techniques because they're there in the ugly moments and they need to know, you know, I'm Natalie's not there. So it's in those moments, what would Natalie say? Some children are like, I don't care what Natalie would say, but if parents know what to do, then it's, you know, it's, it, it's, it makes things a little bit easier.
0: Great. Yeah. So coming at it from both angles, the child um, and the adult, and it's, I guess, like in schools as well, that you know, the teachers, it's been a big focus on children's well-being, And thankfully now there's also a focus on teacher, te- uh, yeah. teaching assistant staff well-being as well, which is great. Um, and how interesting is it that that one child, that one lesson was maybe that kind of the spark that then led you down a different path. It always seems to be the way, doesn't it? The people that are doing amazing things, they can pinpoint this one little moment where they're like, right. I know, I know which direction I want to go in now.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, because up until that point, there was a lot of resistance. I, mm-hmm. This is not what I want to do. And I think I'm really glad I listened to that gut feeling. Um, and, you know, my friend Lucy Sheridan um, often says, follow the breadcrumbs. Like you don't have to know the full, the full step, but like what's this next little spark, that next little thing. And so that definitely was one of those things you know um so yeah
0: (laughs) yeah it's amazing and then I've seen some of the kind of the feedback from some of the children and the adults that that have have worked with you is there anything that kind of stands out from from a parent or perhaps a child that they've messaged you and it's just you've gone yeah Yeah. you know it's funny
1: you say this because um I was talking to my husband earlier today and it's really weird because yesterday I had three messages from parents like people that I haven't had any contact with in a long time. Um, and one of them was actually very special. Um, was, it, was, it was a previous client of mine And I don't have his permission yet to share it. So I'm just going to call him B. But um, he used to be actually one of my pupils in my year one class when I was a year one teacher. And I remember him specifically because he joined my class. Um, They'd come from Canada. He was very anxious, very nervous little boy. Um, And then over the years, I started to tutor him doing private tuition. And then when I got into coaching, his parents wanted me to coach him. Um, And he said they had lost his mum, And so I'd still stayed in touch with him as he'd gone to secondary school. And I did a lot of coaching with him in secondary school. And I probably stopped with him about the two, Three years ago, when it was 2020, we, we, we'd we stopped because he was going into his GCSEs and so forth. Mm. But I received the loveliest message from him yesterday, just saying, you know, Natalie, I know it's been a while since we've had our sessions, but I just want to say thank you so much for everything. I've now got space at... Cambridge University to study something in children and children's well-being um and he was like all the tips and the confidence skills that you've given me I wouldn't have come here until like without your support and I mean that to me I literally started crying I was like oh do you know what I mean like the we've not had touch with him for like three years but all the things that we've done still makes makes that impact um and I think the, the The thing that I love about this sort of work is, and I also say to pet families when I start working with them, you know, this isn't a quick fix. Mm. You might not even see the results immediately. It's kind of like training, I guess, you know. You don't notice the results instantly. But over time... Those results are there and they have a compounding impact if you continually apply the tools and the strategies. Um, And, I mean, these are really skills for life. It's something that will stay with him. Certain techniques and strategies will stay with him. And I think that 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 really is like the specialness of, of it yeah so it's it was yeah it was really touching it, and then the other one I received yesterday as well was from a mum who have not seen her boys for six months and she just said they've come back from a, a school presentation that he did and just all the work that we've done on his mindset and limiting beliefs has really helped his confidence to flourish and she's never seen him like that on stage and you know there are many factors to that but this was a part of it so I think things like that, you know, you can, and I think sometimes working for yourself, you can forget. It's like, oh, you know, you, you have your own gremlins that creep up at times, you know.
0: Of course, yeah, and place our own limiting beliefs on ourselves, Um, but oh wow, how, how um, great to hear that long-term impact that you're having on people, on parents and children. So you've mentioned uh, limiting beliefs a couple of times now. So maybe if we kind of like, Move into the more practical aspect of our conversation because yeah. I would love to hear more about these, um, you know, the, the, the tips, the approaches that you share with parents and children around different aspects of, yeah. of, of mindset. So. I know it's very difficult to, to explain a whole approach, and it's very long term, isn't it? But if we started with that, with with limiting beliefs, um, what are some of the? How do you how do you approach that if if you're working with a child that that has got that and is maybe their their self esteem is low, they they're worried, mm-hmm. their confidence is low, whatever it is. If, if you've got any. Um,
1: Yeah, no, sure. I mean, and it's one of my favorite topics. I think, you know, it's um, a big part of what we do is looking at the voice of our unwelcome visitor Mm. and recognizing, you know, we personify that. We give it a silly name. We give it a silly voice. Um, We recognize when do we notice it? Because we don't notice it all the time, but I might notice it in PE. I might notice it when I'm doing maths, but I don't notice it when I'm, you know, doing something else. And so recognizing as well, that the unwelcome visitor is there to keep us safe. It's only there to keep us safe, but sometimes it gets in our way. And um, we also look at the different types of um, what we call nuts, negative, unhelpful thoughts that come along with your unwelcome visitor. So the, um, you know, the worry nut that makes me worry about things in the future. You know, what if I get this wrong? What if people laugh at me? The, um, The drama nut that uses words like always, never, everyone. So I never get my own way. Nobody ever listens to me. You know, I always get things wrong. Um, the negative nut that just focuses on the negative things. This is going to be bad. This is going to be boring. The name calling nut when I call myself mean names. You know, I'm rubbish. I'm dumb. I'm stupid the comparison nuts. So there's a whole range of different nuts. And so we begin to almost go on a scavenger hunt to catch the unwelcome visitor, catch the nuts. What are those thoughts that we're thinking? And then we want to challenge them with the voice of our inner superhero, where we, it's not about positive thinking, but it's about realistically, let's just take that thought and challenge and reframe it. Let's look at this realistically. Is it really 100% true that I never get my own way? Well, no, you know, and also like with the older children as well, you know, how does this thought make me feel? And I often say to children, is this a heavy feeling or a light feeling? And children actually, always, you know, it, it's a heavy feeling. I don't feel good. Um, And so then also tapping into, you know, becoming a thought detective. Let's look for clues to prove that that nut thought is not true. When did you get your own way? You know, or when did people ask you to play? You know, if you want to say, I don't have any friends, I'm not good at making any friends. So really trying to find a few clues to prove that that negative thought is not 100% true. And then also, you know, tapping into that self-compassion piece, which I think is really essential as well. Um, is, you know, well, what would I tell my best friend if they had this thought? Mm-hmm. I'd never tell them, oh, well, you suck, you can't do that. We'd never say that, you know. We we know that speaking with kindness and compassion, and I also think something that many of us adults have not been modelled is compassion and self-compassion. I know our friend Dr. Nilesh talks a lot mm-hmm. about compassion, but self-compassion, I think, is really important, which is why it's so important as parents that we model that to our children and that we are compassionate with ourselves so that children can in turn apply that to themselves as well. Because that negative critical voice, yes, I understand for some people that can push and motivate us, but it's also that voice that can easily lead to burnout. It's that voice that doesn't know when we need to stop. And for somebody that does, you know, has struggled with burnout, it's it's a difficult one to know, well, am I being too soft on myself? And I also think having that sense of self compassion calms the nervous system. It reintegrates the brain, which means I can probably problem solve a little bit quicker, you know, and I'm not in that fight or flight state. Um, but I mean we don't go, you know, I don't get as, as deep like that with children. <laughs> it's more about <laughs> having some of those strategies and those modalities and also understanding, you know, even just the awareness of your thoughts. So we often look at what I call the power of your super loop. So my thoughts influence how I feel, which influences how I behave. And obviously that's cyclical. It's not meant that it's didactical like that but but understanding that actually if i'm not feeling very good my body you know if i'm feeling nervous where is that alarm in my body let's let's catch that alarm let's breathe into it but then let's also look at what's the story i'm telling myself and is there maybe another story i could tell myself as well and i do feel you know that with children as well you know their brains are still growing with neuroplasticity and so it's much easier, I think, to start forming those healthier habits of catching the story, reframing the story versus in your 30s and 40s when you've got very well led stories in your head about who you are and who you think you are, but it's really just a story that we've created. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, that that's also really important in terms of helping children begin to develop those just alternative, you know, and even just like I said, the awareness of, oh, it's my unwelcome visitor. What's it saying to me? That's enough to sometimes break the cycle and we can, you know, help problem solve and move things in a different way.
0: Yeah. I mean, and you're doing this for children, but that kind of work around mindset and self-compassion, I mean, it, that you know, I'm doing a lot of that now and maybe people listening are doing that. And, you know, adults are are trying to find answers, aren't they, for why they mm-hmm. talk so nastily to themselves and beat themselves up so the fact that you are working with children i mean i wish i'd have worked with you when i was younger and i'm sure other people might as well you know to 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 be taught that from a young age that a thought is just a thought you know i only had that revelation in my what mid-20s late 20s when i did a lot of soul searching a lot of research a lot of reading and, and i'm still very much on that path working on it but if we can talk to children about that from a young age, you are not your thoughts. You are kind of you, you're, the awareness aren't you? You're above your thoughts. And that is just, that is just the thought. And, and you don't have to run away with it. You can pause and I like the kind of the different names, very child friendly um, uh, labels that you've put to them. Because I guess that just makes it more relatable, doesn't yeah. it? And that may means that they can it's more actionable for them. But yeah. and also what I'm hearing is just it's very much based on science, isn't it? Everything that you're doing, um, yeah. it it just seems like a, a mirror image, but in a very child friendly way of everything that I've read about mm. mindset and psychology. Right now I'm reading a book about, you know, how to stop overthinking <laughs> something that I've been. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I can send you a coffee, um, and, and it's talking about the same stuff, but obviously aimed at an adult. But mm-hmm. to be doing that with children is is just amazing. It's fantastic.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, and I enjoy. I mean, I must say, I really do. I think it. You know you asked earlier about what STEM, you know, sparked it. And I think the other thing as well is really creating something that I know younger Natalie so needed. Mm -hmm. Because I was probably about seven or eight when I started to notice my worries, as Mm. I call them. And I really struggled a lot with, now that I can see it, it definitely just, it's just anxiety. And bless, my parents didn't know and, you know, I was, sent to psychologists but it was always and I've you know in terms of the the anxiety has always been there and I think just have there been more preventative strategies in the beginning it would have made probably a difference but I guess now it's my gift because it got me to do this um but I mean I'm still practicing what I preach every day you know it's it's still like and just when you think you've got it sorted (laughs) there's some new stuff that comes up. So, so I think in one way, you know, it's a blessing, but um, yeah, you know, and that I think definitely if I think, and you know, the parents often say to me like, I need these tools, I need these strategies. And that's again, why I'm saying like as a parent or adult or teacher or caregiver, you are on the same learning field as level playing Mm -hmm. field as your child. Um, The only beauty is they get to learn these tools earlier. And we've got, harder work to do because we want to unlearn and relearn.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I guess, what would you say to someone that is like, I just don't have time for this? Um, you know, I, I'm just barely keeping my head above water with work and looking after the children and cooking and cleaning mm. and washing and all these things. How can I, you know, if I have any moment to myself, I just want to collapse on a sofa. Yeah. I mean, How do you go? I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot with that question because um, I know it's, it's no. a difficult one, isn't it? But,
1: I mean, I, I totally understand and you know i think it's we've all you know everybody's in a different boat in different situations um and i would first say one of the first things that came to mind is 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 like you know not having the time me in terms of the long-term impact of this is going to be it's just going to be so much harder. We can't afford not to make the time for it. That's basically it. Because nothing's going to change until something changes. The other question is, and it might not mean that you make changes immediately. And the other thing I'd also say is don't underestimate the impact of micro moments of this. It doesn't have to take up masses amount of time but um, you know if you've got micro moments of connection with your child add up far more than one 90 minute block of connection with your child in every once every two weeks so you know in terms of um, you know emotional regulation or just like little you know when i work with families they they have their techniques, but it comes out a lot more in the conversations that you're having about, you know, what was your what did your unwelcome visitor say today as you're cooking dinner? What nuts, you know, which nuts did you catch? Right, let's zap that nut. So this you can do in conversation as you're driving or as you're walking, or it doesn't have to be like, let's sit down and do 30 minutes. But my question back is what's the impact going to be if there is no time invested in this? So if we fast forward 10, 20 years' time, and it, I know I'm delving into a bit of a pain point here with, with the adults and the parents, but if we, you know, if we think of what we want most for our children and every parent says, I want my child to be happy, now I disagree with that statement. We don't want our children to be happy all the time, but we want our children to have the skills and the tools to be able to... Deal with the wobbles and to pick themselves up and to have that resilience and to have that confidence and to tap into that happiness as well, but we've got to lay the prop, you know, the healthy foundations in order to do that. Um, so I would say, just at what cost is this is going to be, and I'd also say if if the if if the um, it doesn't have to be perfect. That's it. Not, you know, take perfection off the table, have grace and compassion for yourself. It doesn't have to happen every single day, but can it happen three times a week, you know, and small micro moments. We're talking about five or 10 minutes, you know, and if the day is so full that you don't have five or 10 minutes, but then, you know, that's also a question to think about, but what are you doing to support yourself too? Because no human can function if I don't have five minutes to, you know what I mean? It's, I think there's like a priority in terms of, okay, actually, what should I let go of on my plate right now because it's too much? Mm-hmm. Um, but all of this comes from this place of compassion and no judgment and everybody's situation looks different. But I think, you know, we can start small and those small bits will compound up
0: over time. Yeah, of course. I think we mm. both completely understand that every parent is just doing the best they can. Yeah. I've seen that with friends and family, they're all cute. just doing the best they can for their for their children. Mm-hmm. Mm. But but I do like the not but but but, but, um, I do like the way you phrased it. We can't afford not to make the time. And there's other aspects of lifestyle where that's the case as well. We can't afford not to make the time for a little bit of moving our bodies. We can't afford not to make the time for just a little bit of, um, you know, a quiet reflection practice. We can't afford not to make a little bit of time to cook a healthy meal. Um, I realise that that, is, that can be difficult when we've got such a full-on um, timetables, schedules and things like that. But um, I think it's a, a, a good point to, to put out there. Yeah. We can't afford yeah. not to make the time.
1: Mm, definitely.
0: <laughs> so you also, you just, mentioned, you just said a phrase that got me thinking about another question that I wanted to ask. And what was it? Was it emotional regulation? Mm-hmm. I think it might have been that, yes. Because I was going to ask you about, and I've kind of veered off course here, but one of the videos that I have seen you post is around dealing with children when they're having a meltdown. I guess that could be a meltdown over, you know, they want to buy that toy in the shop, they, they don't want to go to sleep, even though you know that they're so tired, and all the other different scenarios where a child <laughs> might be having a meltdown. Um, and so you offer some advice there, don't you, for children and, and parents? So I think another. Practical thing that I would love to ask you about is—is is that, or h- how can we deal with children that have a meltdown?
1: <laughs> yeah, good one. And I think that this is a very common one. I think it also can easily trigger our meltdowns and our big feelings as grown-ups because we've got big feelings too. And I think you know, um, just a bit of like background explanation is we have to first of all manage our expectations. And what I mean by that is that so often. Our expectations don't match where children are at developmentally. And we've got high expectations. Of course, we've got high expectations for children. We love our children. But we have to be mindful that how their brain is developed, they will have meltdowns and they don't have the capacity or the ability yet To regulate by themselves so their emotional hub is far more advanced and developed than that logical rational part of the brain and so children when they're caught up in that meltdown they are literally stuck in that big feeling and they don't have the part of their brain that helps them to see rationality and problem solving they don't have that part fully developed and so for them it literally is like they're drowning in that feeling so often it can feel like to us and I've been like that too. And I'm sure you've been on that side as well. Like, oh, they're just pressing my buttons. They just know what to do. But the actual fact is they're not having a hard, you know, they're not giving you a hard time. They're having a hard time. And they don't have the skills yet to get out of those those big emotions because of how their brain is developed. And so um, I think that's the first thing is understanding that, you know, it's the same as if I say to you, right, Sam, you know, in the next 40 minutes I expect you to speak, I know, fluent Afrikaans right see me you can't and <laughs> then I'm on you and I'm like but why aren't you you should be doing this da, da, da. you're not speaking it because you can't like because you don't want to or because you're purposely trying to antagonize me or because you're trying to press my buttons you simply can't because you haven't developed the skill yet And that's the same with our children. And so I think just a bit of background there. So what we as caregivers need to do, we actually need to step in and be their substitute prefrontal cortex because that's what our job is as parents. And, you know, the prefrontal cortex, the part that helps is responsible for having to regulate those emotions is only fully developed by the age of 25, you know, even a bit later. And so we are going to have to be, so the main thing there is like being able to co-regulate with them. So things that we can start to do is yes, you know, teaching our children about their brain and what happens, I call it, you know, using the work of Dr. Daniel Siegel, flipping your lid. What happens when we flip our lid and when that big feeling takes over, but also then modeling and teaching children, you know, self-soothing tools in terms of that deep belly breathing, something I teach is called power breathing. So taking those deep breaths into your belly for a count of three and then slowly exhaling for a count of five. Um, And practicing that a few times, you know, doing that a few times, or sometimes catching the alarm. Where do you feel the big feeling in your body? Placing your hands over it, breathing into the alarm, breathing out. Um, But, and sometimes children will be able to do that before they notice their big feelings and calm their big feelings. So once children begin to understand this, you know, they do do it. But, In those big feeling moments, what's really important is, A, first of all, that you as the adult are staying calm and regulated. And this is where it feels really hard and it isn't easy. But B, as well, we want to try and meet them in that emotion. Because we will often come in into the logic and the problem solving and the behavior management. And that's all important. But We're not meeting them in their experience. And so there's a lot of work out there in terms of how important, you know, to build that connection, we really want to mirror their experience first. We want to connect to the emotion before we redirect. So what that might look like is in terms of, you know, getting down on their level and really like connecting with them in a few phrases in terms of, oh, do you know, you really wanted this PlayStation and you've been playing those cool games. Do you know what? Here I come. I'm spoiling your fun, you know, and then might be like, yeah, you are. And you know what? It's not fair. And you really wish you could carry on, you know, or, and I love that phrase, you know, you really wish you could, you know, here I am telling you to stop and you really wish you could carry on. Now, of course, this takes practice, but when we can mirror their emotion and their experience, just for a few phrases, where you have a few of those phrases, the mirror neurons in their brain light up, and that releases all of like, like the like the oxytocin, the ser- you know the serotonin, the, the, the happy chemicals, the bonding chemicals. And that starts to calm and cool the brain, which is count, you know, starts to calm and cool that cortisol, which is the stress hormone. And again, it's the feeling in a way is, you know, Sam, if you were here and you were telling me about something that happened and you were really upset about it. And then I just said, Do you know what, Sam, calm down. It's not a big deal. Like, Ugh! but if I'm like, Do you know what? That's really hard. Like, I get it. Like, you know, even if I might not agree with your behavior, I get why you feel the way that you feel. It doesn't take your thing away. It doesn't take the problem away, but it starts to bring it back down. And and why is that? Because you felt heard and understood and acknowledged. And if we can do that first, then it's easier to move into the problem solving where we can set the boundary of like, and you know, I know you really wish you could stay on the PlayStation and I know you're having so much fun and it's so frustrating. And you know what, sweetie, my job is to look after you. And right now the answer is no. And I love you enough for you to be mad at me. But the answer is no. The hardest thing here is us staying calm Mm. and staying neutral. And that is why, you know, I was saying like this is very much a practice where we have to learn to emotionally regulate. Because if we can't, like if we're finding it hard to emotionally regulate, guaranteed they're finding it 10 times harder, you know, and it's, it's it might feel like it's the long way because the quick way is do as you're told, put this away, da, da, da. But you're missing, but that's when we get the fighting and that's when we get the power struggles and you're missing a really important moment to connect. And I know this feels like it's the long way, but this will be the quicker way in the long run. Because over time, your child feels heard. They feel understood. And my question goes back to what I said at the beginning, you know, when you were a child and you felt a big feeling, what did you want most from the adults around you? And I mean, that's my question to you, actually. So when you were a child, actually, what did you want most from the adults around you? Feeling a big feeling, you know, and I know maybe you wanted the chocolate chip cookie or whatever, (laughs) but what is it that you would have wanted most from the people around you?
0: You just want them to understand, don't you? And and get on your level and just empathize with why you're getting so worked up and stressed.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. But I think we also have to have grace and compassion with ourselves that it wasn't, I'm making a generalized assumption here, but it was very different to how we were raised. And so regulating your emotions, I really do see that as a muscle that we're building. It's not something that we are, you know, some people might be easier than others in terms of temperament, but it really is a skill as well. And so, and I always say a tip to parents if it feels really hard for you to keep it together, you know you're doing it right. If it feels fantastic, you know you've probably gone a little bit too far. And that's okay, because this is then when we can apologize and repair. You know, and that don't underestimate the power of that apology as well and also understanding that your child will have tantrums because that's part of child development mm-hmm. um but it's it when we can connect it's amazing how many parents have said to me but I've done this and actually it works like we're not here for so much longer you know and I think that that's important important um to bear on to as well
0: yeah but like you said it's it's a it's not a quick fix is it it's mm-hmm. it's a very uncomfortable and we don't like it but it will, it will take time and then it will pay off in the long run, won't it? Like so many other aspects of, of, of our lives, it will pay off in the long run if we put a bit of work in now. Um, so I think that's great. The, the points about getting on their level and understanding where they're coming from, get it. It's, it's It all sounds good to me. <laughs> it all makes sense to me. Um, I guess you might have people that... Uh, I don't know where does kind of you know discipline where does boundaries fit in with that? Um, mm. h- how can we be understanding and calm? You might have someone. We might have someone listening that's like, but no, I need to. I need to be firm with them, and I need to be. I don't know. Maybe I do need to raise my voice every so often to kind of give them a jolt. That might be a, an approach or an attitude that that people have. Mm. Um, have you have you experienced that? Do you, do you understand that um, kind yeah. of?
1: Definitely. And and what I'm not saying at all is that boundaries are 100% boundaries. Important. Children need boundaries. They need mm-hmm. limits because it keeps them safe. In actual fact, not having boundaries and limits makes them feel anxious. They might mm-hmm. not tell us that they're feeling anxious because they're like, well, I don't want to do what you're telling me to do. But actually they need those boundaries and that structure. It keeps them safe. And as I said before, your job is to be that prefrontal cortex for them where you will be inhibiting some behaviors. You will be wanting them to motivate them to do things when they don't want to do things because that's your job as a substitute prefrontal cortex but um it's it's so it is about the key thing there is first we want to connect and we want to mirror and then we put in the problem and we put in the boundary and you know what the answer is still no i know you really want ice cream before dinner and i know this is frustrating and i know i'm coming to spoil your fun and you really wish you could but my job as a parent is to keep you safe, and the answer is no. Oh, and here come those big feelings. Do you know? Okay, you let those big feelings out. You know, sometimes I say to parents, "Let them. Let you can roll, you can stamp." But the answer is no. And it's being really firm. It's being really neutral. Um, and then I'd also want to say, when you know, we've talked about raising your voice and yelling. When have you ever been yelled at and you've thought to yourself, do you know what, that's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Hands down, I need to be yelled at more often. We've never done that. And if your yelling is working, your child's afraid. We don't want our children to be afraid. And I, you know, and and, and this comes from no criticism because I think very much, you know, the old authoritarian style of parenting is that yelling, is that reprimand, but there's a lot of fear and this is a bigger discussion. But in the society that we have today where mental health is becoming more of a thing that we're talking about there you know there's definitely correlations in that in terms of not being allowed to feel my feelings and what we also have to do is we have to separate our child's feelings from their behavior it's fine to feel angry you're entitled to feel mad at me because i've said no it's a very legitimate feeling to have the behavior is not okay and so we want to deal with that behavior and then you know natural consequences the boundaries are important you know, it's if you've got a very firm rule about no hitting and if there is hitting, then this thing doesn't happen. You know, this this like not being on screen time. That's the natural consequence. And we stick to that and that boundary is there. But I think it's, and this is what I'm saying it's so hard to do because it feels counterintuitive when we connect first. But if we get into the raising of the voice and the power struggles, you're not, they're not hearing you because they're in fight or flight. You are not being responsive because you're in fight or flight. And how can we expect them to regulate their emotions when the people they look up to are not regulating their emotions? With the, You know what I mean? And like, a, nobody's going to get this right 100%. They're going to be so many, you're going you're to keep shouting at times. Hmm. But then the important thing is there, then we want to go back and apologize and say, do you know what? I was in the wrong. I shouldn't have raised my voice. I was feeling angry and frustrated because of X, Y, and Z. You know, and I often talk about anger being um, a mask and underneath my anger, I was feeling disappointed. I was feeling embarrassed. I was feeling guilty. I was feeling frustrated. I was feeling, so we talk about the hidden feelings that was hiding under my angry mask. And that can be a really beautiful moment of connection for parents and children. In actual fact, this happened with a family that I was working with Um over Halloween, the dad had gone to um, a Halloween party with his son and they then had to leave and his son, and I was working with his son as well at the time, flipped his lid and got really angry and because he didn't want to leave. And so both of them got angry and shouted because that's just what's going to happen as well. But afterwards, they spoke about it using some of the strategies and dad said to me, one of the things that his son had said is, I felt ignored and I felt helpless And he's like, I didn't even know, but now that I know it makes complete sense why he felt like that. So this, like I said, it's not something that's gonna be a quick fix, but in the long run, we are helping our children build their emotional awareness. We're building our emotional awareness. And like I said, by no means, boundaries and limits are really, really important, but we can set boundaries and limits from a place of empathy and compassion versus a place of fear, because I'm not saying be on the iPad as long as you want. The answer is still no, and it's going to stay no, but I understand why you're frustrated. That's that's where I'm coming from, you know, and we can have that without the I've said no and do as you're told, you
0: know. <laughs> yeah. I think that the understanding, that seems key, doesn't it? That I don't know how often perhaps that – Parents, guardians, carers can be like, this is what's happening and, and no explanation to a child. And of course, then they would get frustrated and dysregulated because I, why is this happening? Why am I leaving the party earlier um, than I thought I would be? Why can't I play on my um, tablet right now? It's like this is just all of a sudden hit me and I don't know what to do with it. So, of course, I'm going to have a meltdown. So that understanding and explaining i guess that comes back to well this takes time and it takes work and it's difficult but hopefully it will pay off in the long run and then something else you said about that connection you can get from apologizing what could be the impact of that kind of years later because is it that we grow up thinking our parents are perfect that they don't make any mistakes and then i can i can remember um you know, having that realization, oh, adults haven't got it all together, actually. (laughs) And they make mistakes. And maybe we think as we grow up and we're making mistakes and we beat ourselves up, it's like, oh, but I shouldn't be making mistakes now because I'm in my mid-20s, I'm in my 30s, I'm in my 30s, whatever. I'm growing up and adults don't make mistakes, do they? They get everything right. I I don't know if I'm kind of clutching at straws there, but it it, it feels like that could be something.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I often have this thing of I should be a grown up right now, but I'm definitely not a grown up. You know, like I'm not ready to be a grown up. Often, like a thing that I think, and I think you're so right. I think it's 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 um, the apology is really important. And again, I'm not pointing fingers at our up our, our parents. You know, every parent does the best. First of all, does the best they can do with the tools that they have and the knowledge that they have. Right, so. This is not judgment or finger pointing, but majority of the parents and parent people I work with, I wasn't apologized to when I was a child. And the I just think the impact that you can have, you A, you're doing two things there. You're teaching your child how to take responsibility when they get things wrong. And how often do we say to children, well, say you're sorry? You've got to say you're sorry. Do you know this We need to model that too. And B as well, you know, letting children as well like you said, parents aren't perfect. We're figuring things out as well. And, you know, one of the mums sent me a message, you know, that I was working with and she's like, we had a bit of the thing, me and my daughter. And I said to her, look, I've not been a mummy of a six-year-old before. I'm learning too. And, you know, and I think that it's, it's, it's recognizing, you know, because I often talk about the flipping of the lid and the hidden feelings and it's, It's that that apology helps children understand as well what's going on with you. Because I think one of the other things we have to remember, and this is not to put more expectations or pressure on parents, but with a child, the adult, their caregiver is is their primary source of staying alive, right? So when the adults are upset, children can have this tendency of it's my fault. It's my fault that they're upset. It's my fault, mommy's sad, or it's my fault, daddy's sad. And I remember even doing this as a child. They take the responsibility on them. And so I think, you know, it is also important that it's it, you know, in these apology moments you've flipped your lid and you got angry, but it could have been because of something that had happened at work and it kind of filtered over into days. Actually, mummy was a bit worried about something at work and I'm, I'm sorry, I should have done my power breathing and I was feeling disappointed. I was feeling worried and I still love you and you were still enough. I think that's really important to let children know that no matter what, they are more than enough and that, they, you, know, that you love them. And I just think that that apology can be such a powerful moment because the parents that I support as well be like what what difference would have made if we were, some of us were apologised to as well, you know, in terms of not that we're holding on grudges, but it's just, it's a learning opportunity and actually it's a connection opportunity as well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And before we start to wrap up, there was something that you mentioned earlier about um, different phrases that you might use. And I just wanted to kind of catch that one more thing before I ask you the last um, the last few um, kind of questions of the episode. But I can remember thinking, I can remember learning about the phrase, when you do this, you can do this. And it kind of seemed to be so helpful dealing with children, um, you know, a primary school teacher, you know, they would say, well, can I do this? And you don't want to just say no straight away. No, you can't do that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's uh, when this happens, then this happens. Um, I don't think I've explained that very well or given a very concrete example, but it just made me think about other um, about phrases that can really help just like little um kind of almost like stems of a sentence that you can then grasp onto and use that could be just like uh, someone listening could take away from this conversation straight away and go and practice that is there any other phrases like that that you found to be really useful
1: yeah I think definitely um there's one you know the notice and wonder so sometimes and you can use this in different um scenarios But, you know, one of the common things, because one of the common triggers for children is, you know, we interrupt their flow. So, if you think about it, children are so in the moment. You know, even if they know how to tell the time, they're still very caught up in the moment when they're doing an activity that they want to do. And then we come in and we're like, right, get off the iPad. We've got to go. Right, put shoes on. We've got to go. And that can, I'm not saying in all cases, but that can be a, a thing for big feelings. And so actually, if you know, you know, games on, you know, online games are a typical example, but get into their world a little bit, get into their flow first and saying things like, you know, I notice that, you know, I mean, this sounds very scripted right now, but in terms of, you know, hey, I noticed that you've got, look at all the games you're playing, look at the levels you're doing and wow, look at, you know, look at how high your score is. You've done really well. I also notice, you know, that it's almost time for dinner. I wonder what your plan is. Or in terms of you know if we're talking about um, you know your plan is to to come off the game, well, I wonder what the next steps are. So the notice and wonder is is where we step into their world, we notice what is going on, but then we're almost like putting that bridge to care. Wonder what what's this next thing? You know, kind of slowly pulling them out. The other thing as well is you know that phrase that I love as well. You know, you really wish you could. So when it comes to you know those big feelings again, and it's that empathy of, you know, I I know this is really difficult. I know you're feeling this, or I know this is so frustrating. So you want to like, I know this isn't like put in that feeling that they're feeling, and you really wish you could carry on playing, or you really wish you could do this thing. Um, that's also really helpful because it helps to tap into that empathy. Um, and then there was one more, and it's completely gone, gone, gone out of me um oh I think you know one thing that does it's not the one I was going to share with you because I can't remember what that one was now but another one is in those some of those big feeling moments and our tendency can be to fix it or to problem solve or you know let's get rid of this but even just saying do you know what I love you enough and I'm right here until you need me because sometimes it's and like letting them it's it's okay to let those big feelings out i love you enough and i'm right here until you need me i think just allowing the space okay the big feelings here just just let it out and i'm right here until you're ready for me it can be really powerful because sometimes we can feel really alone in those big feelings as well so so yeah i can't remember the one i was going to tell you sorry (laughs) i'll see if i remember and email it to you
0: yeah that'd be great no worries but they all they all make sense to me um I think they're great. And I, I know you said at the start, Oh, well, this sounds very scripted, but I think people are after scripts. Mm-hmm. I want scripts. I, I want kind of um, something that I can follow. Um, that I think can be extremely useful. You know, we follow a recipe. We want to cook something new yeah. and we follow a workout program. We want to do some exercise. So I want to have some of these, yeah, some of these scripts yeah. as, you, as you as you call them. I, th- I think they can be really, really helpful. So I like that. And I, I I do really like the "I notice and I wonder." So mm. rather than that kind of covering, like, coming in like a, yeah. a wrecking ball, right? You got to get off. Come on, we got to go. That just that little start yeah. of a sentence could make all the difference, couldn't it? So yeah. I, I think that's great. Thank you for sharing those.
1: You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs>
0: So I did. There were a couple of other questions, but I, I, we're kind of coming up to an hour and I don't want to take up too much of your day. I was going to talk to you about screens, um, which we've kind of touched upon actually. And I was going to talk to you about bedtime routines, but it's fine. Maybe we'll we'll have to reschedule another podcast or an in- Instagram live or something like that. <laughs> But before I let you go, um, I'm going to ask you three questions that I'm going to ask every guest that comes on the show. And the first one, you might have already kind of covered towards the beginning of this episode, which is, um, what's the one lesson that you wish you'd have been taught as a child? Now, I think I know what your answer is going to be, but (laughs) I don't want to put words in your mouth.
1: So definitely don't believe every thought you think. Question the thoughts that you think, because they're not all true.
0: Great. great. The second question is what's one habit that you think I should introduce to my life or maybe a habit that I should take away from my life that will help me feel great and even the people around me feel great as well?
1: So this is just one habit that I'm working on. (laughs) So you might already be doing it. (laughs) Um, I have a feeling you probably are, but I think, um, allowing yourself to be more present in the moment versus in the future. Mm. I think it can be really easy to take ourselves away from where we are in the present moment. Um, And even in the times that are difficult as well, like the resistance to what's happening. And I think Eckhart Tolle talks a lot about this as well in terms of the surrender into it. It doesn't take it away, but it does take some of that, Resistance away, if you know what I mean. Um, and this is just something that I'm busy with right now, so that's what I'm passing on to you. <laughs>
0: no, no, it's 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 a great one, and it echoes something that I just hear over and over again: mm. being in the present moment. You know, that's where that's where everything is, isn't it? That's where we can be happy and content and peaceful mm. and calm when we're in the present moment. I think there's a, a very um, famous study. It's called "A Wandering Mind Is an Unhappy Mind," I believe, mm. and it's kind of you know any. Any activity that you're doing, if you're off somewhere else, you know that's perhaps more associated with lower well-being. But if you are in the moment, you know that's that's yeah. where the joy of life is. Even yeah. if that's washing the dishes, whatever it is, if you are in the moment, then yeah. that's where we want to be, isn't it? Because that's that's all we have. That's all we exactly. have. Just all <laughs> and then the final question is: If you could give everyone in the world one book, what mm. would that one book be?
1: Oh my goodness, amazing. You so have to get him on this podcast. Uh, Dr. Russell Kennedy wrote a fantastic book called Anxiety Rx. Um, and it's all, he's a, doc, a clinical doctor, but um, does a lot of work around somatic therapies and things like that as well. I'm not doing him justice right now, but his book is the best book I've read regarding anxiety and how we really have to feel it before we can think our way out of it. And I think that that is, that's one of, yeah, it's, it's, I'm reading it for the second time. So it's brilliant. Oh, really?
0: <laughs> so uh, I've never heard of that book or the author. So, um, Russell Kennedy, that name does sound familiar, but I haven't heard of the book. So I'm going yeah,
1: to. Yeah, no, I'm he was on a podcast with Mel Robbins recently. That's how I okay. came across his work. Um, brilliant, honestly, like just a different, And really, because I think just for somebody that struggles with anxiety, it's really hard to think yourself out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's so much more in terms of how he gets into it, in terms of feeling and then thinking versus the other way around.
0: Right. So yeah, really good, interesting. I've I've heard a couple of uh, conversations around this about how you you can't kind of think your way out of anxious Mm -hmm. thoughts. You can't think your way out of of low thoughts it's it's kind mm-hmm. of about movement and it's about getting going it's about action and what are the things that you yeah. um that might work for you to help you get out of that um perhaps yeah. that cycle yeah, of, it's late it's late right. of thinking that you're in so sounds yeah, interesting, interesting. Sounds yeah good. <laughs> Um, so right where can where can people find you on on social media if they want to connect with you see your fantastic videos offer lots of tips and advice where can people connect with you Uh,
1: yeah sure so instagram um my handle is power thoughts nc and for natalie c for costa so all one word um obviously my website powerthoughts.co.uk uh and then i've also been quite active on linkedin as well so i think that's just natalie costa i think it just comes <laughs> up as natalie costa yeah it's slightly different um so those three places are where i'm most active um and you can you know i respond quite quickly so feel free to get in touch
0: Excellent. That's great. Right. Well, thank you so much for your time today, um, and I'm really looking forward to sharing this episode with the oh, audience. Thank
1: you. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've loved it. Honestly, absolutely loved it, Sam. So, thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Speak to you soon.
1: Speak to you soon.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Insight Podcast. I hope you found my conversation with Natalie Costa useful. If you did, we'd both love to hear from you get in touch with your comments and questions via the social media links in the show notes and if you did enjoy the episode please share with friends family and colleagues you can also support the podcast by following and rating the show on whichever app it is you're listening on right thank you again and i look forward to bringing you another episode very soon